You may know the French existentialist or absurdist, Albert Camus. Camus argued that human life is absurd and void of meaning, that the universe is unintelligent, indifferent, and silent in the face of human need. Well, I have a good word for you today, a tender word. This word hails from the 8th century before the Common Era, winging its way through the years, through the centuries and millennia, from the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. This word is a repudiation of absurdism, of the prospect of meaninglessness. It is so beautiful, this word, so elegant and lovely that it arrives in the form of lullaby and poetry. Comfort, comfort, O oh my people. It is cradle song and whisper. It is intimate and tender. Comfort, comfort, O oh my people. And this, speak tenderly to the people. Tell them that their hard times, their suffering and pain are coming to an end. I have a good and tender word for you today, church. Albert Camus' view is not our view. Our view is informed by a God of love and compassion, of rescue and restoration. In the worldview of Judaism and Christianity, life is rife with meaning. In the worldview of Judaism and Christianity, the cavernous expanse of the universe is anything but indifferent. Rather, the universe is God-suffused. At the heart of the universe is the Ancient of Days Creator God who is tender, compassionate, benevolent, parental. At the heart of the universe is the Holy One who called the universe into being, who separated dark from light at the dawn of time, who breathed into the first human the breath of life, who sent Moses to confront Pharaoh's tyranny, who sent Jesus, love incarnate, God incarnate, to wear our skin and feel our pain and know physical joy. At the heart of the universe is the divine creative force that radiates compassion and delivers rescue. To a people miserable and suffering, God cries from heaven, comfort, comfort, oh my people. As soon as those words of comfort, of lullaby, are loosed from the mouth of God, a majestic thing occurs in heaven. Anyway, this is how Isaiah sees it and hears it and how Isaiah tells it. In response to the divine pathos, Isaiah sees and hears and feels the whole host of heaven rustling and stirring, all sorts and manner of heavenly beings, courtiers, angels and archangels, seraphim and cherubim, the saints in heaven who now dwell with God. I know it's mysterious and hard to believe, but there you have it, at least as Isaiah saw it and heard it. In response to the divine pathos, these host of heavenly creatures commence to shouting across heaven, one to another, hurry now, 
Get to it, for God is coming. Rescue is on the way. Up, up on your feet. Prepare a way in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for God. In the desert of this damn pandemic, in the wasteland of racial injustice, in the wilderness of economic despair and desperation, God is coming. So make ready. Get ready. You over there, seraphim, lift that valley. You, cherubim, lower that mountain. Hey, over there, you angels and archangels, make the uneven ground level. Make those rough places smooth, for God is coming. God is coming to make all things new. God is coming to the rescue. Now you can believe Albert Camus, whose worldview is devoid of angels and prophets. Camus, who inhabits a cold and godless universe. You can stand with Camus and determine that life is absurd, meaningless, that the universe is indifferent, that your life, your suffering, all suffering is met with a thumping silence. You can believe that. Camus' worldview is not without merit. Or you can stand with the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah whose ear is tuned to heaven. Isaiah who bet his life on a God whose essence is compassion and whose instinct, whose reflex is sympathy. We who stand with Isaiah, who posit meaning and goodness, we do prepare a way for God in the forsaken wilderness of our lives. We prepare for God's coming by lighting candles to which we have given names, love, hope, joy, peace. We ready the deserts of our broken hearts by singing of what is not yet so in order to will it into existence. When earthly tyrants turn cold hearts to human suffering, we warm and melt the iciness by lighting small fires of compassion as we can. We pray, and in our prayers, we hold God's suffering earth on our hearts. And more, we determine to counter hate with love, racism and privilege with equity and inclusion, to meet suffering with kindness and hunger with nourishment. We make music to bring beauty into a world threatened by ugliness. We give our money away in fierce, defiant acts of generosity. We steward a building intended to point beyond this world's coldness of heart toward a heavenly realm warmed and brightened by the light of God's prodigious love. Old South Church, in this hard, harsh world, in this world where the rich get richer and richer and ever richer, and the powerful are at a sinful remove from human suffering, in this world we stand for something, something tender and beautiful, intimate and ancient, something holy. We reject meaninglessness and absurdity and coldness of heart, we give witness to the divine nature whose dominion is compassion. 
This ministry of meaning matters. This world of prophetic poetry matters. This life of ritual and rhythm of Sabbath keeping and candlelighting matters. This dedication to beauty and kindnesses, these matter. Every single act of kindness, every single candle lit, every carol sung, every child dressed as angel or shepherd or lamb, every winter coat purchased for a child in poverty, every act of sanctuary, each is a repudiation of the absurdist philosophy of meaninglessness and indifference. By these, we who sit in darkness prepare for the coming light. We put our trust in God, not in earthly rulers. And at our best, together, as a church, we take up the cry, comfort, comfort, O oh my people. Your suffering is seen and felt. Your rescue is at hand. God is coming in the wilderness. Prepare the way.